I listen to enough podcasts and enough po- comedy podcasts where like I know some of the people who do the podcasts and this past week a uh, podcast called the uh, who is the man <laughs> who is the man <laughs> dog uh it's the man dog pod it's uh it, it's it's amazing who's who's it Who's the man now, dog? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And one of the uh, one of the guys on there named a character Corey this past week, and I was like, God damn it, because uh, I was like, I, I'm sure he knows other Corys, but he also knows me, and it just felt weird to hear my name because my name doesn't come up and stuff. It's not a generic mm-hmm. name, really, uh, or it, I guess it is, but not as generic as John. Sorry. Uh, but you're not Jonathan, though. That's the thing is like there's no. Hell no. Absolutely exit. not. Yeah. Absolutely and not. And you're not like the J-O-N who's like, oh, no, no, no I'm not one of those cheap ass three letter Johns. <laughs> I'm, uh, this is uh, uh, this is the real deal, that, baby. You need that H in there to, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. uh, hey, oh. speaking of pregnant pauses. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. You're right. We've got we, we've got stuff to talk about. We've got. The I mean, most Formula One is extremely yeah. Formula One is right now nine and a half, nine months and three and a half weeks pregnant. Yeah, and like is the, about to. The doctor is about to deliver. In. Yeah, <laughs> the doctor keeps coming in and it's like, <laughs> look, you can. We need to induce labor. Like it's getting dangerous at this point. There's mm-hmm. too much potential happening inside of your womb uh your f1 womb uh it's time to give birth uh wow we why i don't know why we went this i think this is gonna resonate really well with our audience Corey. i think this is the perfect analogy for you know yeah formula Mm -hmm. one is in its fourth trimester Mm -hmm. and ready to go ready Uh, we all right so so we got it. We got to intro. We got to intro the <laughs> yes. podcast. Let's intro the podcast before we get too deep into it. Welcome to the F1 Files. This is our Formula One podcast. It's a couple of best friends who've loved Formula One for pretty much our whole lives and are based yes. in the U.S. and are experiencing this gorgeous rebirth <laughs> in, wow in the, yeah i know i know wild uh i'm cory willis i'm an actor writer improviser out here in los angeles california this is john lapore i'm a creative consultant designing the future for film technology and automotive and yes we are born again formula mm-hmm. one diehard fans because as we are in formula one's off seasons fifth trimester yep yep and we are headed into uh ne- the next time that we record this podcast, it will be yeah. after the first race of the 2023 season, which that in yeah. and of itself is explosive and exciting enough. But not only that, since we last spoke, mm-hmm. we have had both the one and only round of testing in anticipation yeah. of oh, the yeah. 2023 season and seeing all the cars on track, getting to see them move out there and getting enough information to start to gather some, some casual insights. Yeah. And then on top of that, we have uh, Netflix unveiled the latest season of drive to survive. All 10 episodes uh, went live about 72 hours ago. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, as, as much as that is just, you know, entertainment, it is a kind of now a critical piece of formula one culture. Yeah. And so we've got, we've got that to marinate in as well. Uh, I, I think we start off with, testing the, yeah. the most tangible and real world aspect uh you know setting up our upcoming season Corey, what was what was the most notable thing to you in general just across the board about testing in bahrain this weekend uh i'd say <clears throat> excuse me there uh i'd say from a personal perspective uh this was a reminder that there is so much to digest when it comes to F1 and the especially in the preseason we we talked about how much there was going on behind the scenes and how excited we were and then there were 3 days with back to back four and a half hour 
testing sessions in Bahrain. Mm -hmm. And your boy watched all of it. I watched all of that testing, uh, including like the FIA's system and F1 and FIA's system checks. Uh, I watched all of it because it's like integrated into the first 15 minutes and then the last 15 minutes of every session. Uh, wow. But the, uh, the thing that stuck out to me the most, there are two things that stuck out to me the most here. Uh, two huge stories that have come out of testing. One is just how, I mean, we talked a little bit about this uh, maybe last week or the week before how worried McLaren was and like the rumors behind the yeah. scenes that McLaren was like maybe struggling in the development phase. Then it came out that apparently like the week of car launch, they basically were like, okay, we are going to take a different development path. So like they had the car completely <laughs> ready to go. And then we're like, actually we're going to switch it up, uh, which is bananas. I mean, that's, Wow. That is unheard of in modern F1, especially yeah. in where where we're starting to get to the cost cap era. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a huge, huge thing. And a lot of people are saying that McLaren, and I believe this too, is like ninth or tenth at this point. I mean, they are like almost securely in last place. They have a lot of ground to make up. That said, Oscar Piastri went out there, looked like a stud in that car. Even though the mm -hmm. car had some issues, they had to bond like the wheel brows, like those weird wheel arches that you see on the front tires, uh, over the front wheels rather. They have, they had like structural integrity issues, so they had to keep the car in the garage for a bunch. But mm -hmm. then Oscar Piastri got out on track and made none of the mistakes that you expect to see people make when they first jump into their first f1 car like their first like current f1 car he's tested previous iterations uh yeah. for alpine and now also mclaren but now he's in the new mclaren and he's putting up numbers that are absolutely competitive with lando norris during testing which is like uh-oh lando uh-oh um so that was a big story but did you did you hear this rumor about Lando being spotted punching a wall in in the paddock? No. Uh, this was something. Yeah, this was something that Will Buxton I think said during one of the feeds or whatnot. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of went viral almost instantly. So much so that Will Buxton was like, "Well, I mean." You know, maybe he was playing around or something. I, you know, I can't be totally certain, but Ooh, yeah, it yikes. sounded like, uh, yeah, it sounded like Lando was, was spotted being visibly pissed during yeah. testing, which to me is kind of, kind of wild, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess that's, you know, especially if you've got Oscar breathing down your neck, yeah, that could be prone to happen. I guess I just, I assume testing is a much more chill affair, but maybe not. And especially because we only have last season, we had two rounds of testing. We had two separate weekends yeah. of testing. And this was really just kind of like one shot to, yeah. to get out there and see it. And um, what, uh, wh where did it, where did it land? McLaren was, had the fewest hours or was one of the, the teams fewest, with the fewest yep. so uh, they amount had of time on track. Yep, they had the fewest amount of uh, laps that were run uh, because they had to spend so much time fixing and bonding their yeah. uh, their front wheel assembly. And it was just, they had issues with the brakes last year, and that was what set them back. Plus, Danny Rick had COVID last year, so he yeah. never got to test the McLaren, which is probably one of the reasons he struggled so much with it last year. Uh, and yeah, it's just not, it's not that it's slow, but it just is not putting up any sort of good numbers for a potential midfield leader, right? Like that's the, McLaren has kind of been in this like weird spot of best of the rest for a while. And now it looks mm -hmm. like not only have they been overtaken, but they've been overtaken by almost the entire field so that they're like on par with Williams, which McLaren and Williams on the back row of the F1 grid uh, like the back two, like the last two <laughs> lanes of the grid, the idea that they're at the back is just bananas. Uh, mm -hmm. And conversely, we've got Aston Martin, which is the other huge story from testing. Yep. I mean, there and there are multiple angles about Aston Martin. Uh, first and foremost, it's the story of Lance Stroll. 
Lance Stroll apparently was in a cycling accident, uh, and they, uh, they initially were like, oh yeah, he had an injury to his hand uh, and some slight damage to his wrist, and there's a chance that he might not be able to make testing. Now, I don't know all of the specifics here, but rumors have completely blown up that not only did he break one of his wrists, he may have broken both of his wrists. He may have yeah. broken both of his wrists and done damage to one of his hands, so he had to get surgery Ooh. from the MotoGP like sports doctor, like the guy that the MotoGP Jeez. dudes go to when they tumble off that's, their bikes that's a dude who is very busy that is a dude who is a master of his craft yeah. because he just all day long is dealing with you know top of their career athletes who need insane emergency surgeries done oh my god yeah, to then get back on the bike like a week or two later like that's yeah the, the and that's what aston martin has said that's kind of how they framed it they were like well he had an injury to his wrist but he went to the wrist specialist like the yeah. best on the planet who we're pretty confident that for the first two to three races of the season he can steer the car with his knee yeah, yeah it'll, it'll be, be fine, fine. That's uh, totally cool. Yeah. And like Johnny, you and I immediately, as soon as this happened, we were both like, so this dude's not getting into the car. There's no way he's getting in, even if it's just yeah. a mild wrist injury. And by mild, I mean like, yeah, maybe a, a slight fracture or something like that. Like you can't drive a Grand Prix. You can't drive a Grand Prix with a broken wrist. I mean, you can't drive it with like a broken finger, uh, like yeah. let alone your whole assembly maybe even both of your contact points with the car uh yeah. like it's just wild and just the dexterity you need to run through the systems to like fidget with the dials on the steering wheel so you have to have dexterity and mobility and ways i mean i think even just even just holding that wheel and having yeah. that be you know as you said that like critical point of contact with the vehicle but uh not just you know muscling the thing around but the fact yeah. that like under different conditions you get so much uh active feedback from that wheel yeah yeah uh and yeah, also so there's the idea that robert kubica only has one good hand since his accident and that mm -hmm. dude was competing for world championship titles before he left the sport and then yeah. ended up on a backmarker team and now he's a reserve yep. driver for so like if you have a hand or wrist injury, this is potentially like a, I mean, Lance Stroll's cycling accident was nothing compared to Robert Kubica's rally accident. Yes. But, yeah, yeah um, for sure. I'm just saying like the idea that you, if you have a wrist injury, it this could have could... career long implications. Exactly. For, exactly. For Lance. Um, so, so what's, so I think, you know, there was this brief moment of hyper excitement around like, Oh, that means there's an open seat and, you know, Hulkenberg's already busy. Yeah. So what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, uh, Sebastian Vettel's coming out of retirement just to hop back into his old seat? Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and everything goes a little wild for a second. It's like maybe Nigel Mansell will take the seat for the weekend, <laughs> you know, and, and whatnot. Let's, let's reanimate uh, Graham Hill and yes. get him in the car. <laughs> like, what? No, 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 no. Um, I love it. It's uh so that was that was kind of put out there as like oh maybe we'll get Vettel back in the car and Mike Crack the the head of Aston Martin's uh like that he's not yeah he's Lawrence Stroll is the head of Aston Martin but Mike Crack makes like the business decisions uh and Martin Wishmart uh, uh Whitmarsh make like kind of like executive decisions Mike Crack was like hey we haven't ruled out Vettel but it's probably going to be Felipe Drogovic the guy we had in the car all weekend mm -hmm. he's probably going yeah. to take over uh but this is again not the primary story the primary story is the Aston Martin looks like it is not only broken away from the midfield but like during testing has consistently put up better numbers, better lap times, better long long laps, better like race simulations than mm -hmm. Mercedes and Ferrari. Like there's yeah. <laughs> literally people are like, oh my God, is the Aston Martin one? It's going to be fighting for podiums. That's what everyone in the pit, uh, that's what everyone in the paddock is saying, including Toto Wolf. He's like, oh yep. boy, our customer team is maybe in a better place than we are. And that's wild because, like we discussed, 
Fernando Alonso is now driving a car that is potentially, I mean, it's just testing. That's the huge caveat here. But I mean, in theory, this could be the best car that Fernando's driven in the last decade. Yeah, since Ferrari. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, even including, you know, even when he was at Ferrari, it was a it was a dog of a car for the most part. And it it was always seen as like any any excellence that he brought to Ferrari was solely on the shoulders of of Fernando's ability to get the most out of a a crappy piece of hardware. And so, like, if he's got good hardware, like, oh, God, watch out. Yeah, we may see this could be there was like a stat that was put up where it was like Mickey Lauda and Fernando Alonso. And it just like shows like two time champion retires, returns. Mm wins a championship in there like within a few years of their return and they were both driving cars with mercedes engines <laughs> like it's like yeah. this like oh wow there is a very clear parallel between yep. these two uh also personality wise like nikki <laughs> was very difficult to deal with as a racing driver and fernando alonso very difficult to deal with as a racing driver uh yep. so there's just a like ton of parallels between the two. And, hey, I want to see Lewis win a championship. If we don't see Lewis win a championship, I would like to see Fernando Alonso win the championship. <laughs> That's like, yeah, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'd be happy to I'm, see that. I'm just excited that he's still also in this very, like, you know, I am the bringer of chaos to yeah. the grid. And to have that not happening in the middle of the pack or near the back of the pack to have that happening much closer to the front of the grid to me is, is pretty exciting. So exciting. And yeah. Oh. Could, could bring some, some serious interest to, yeah. uh, to, to the season. Uh, all right. So for me, uh, the, the other piece that I don't want to let slip by because all mm. of a lot of these things that you've mentioned are very fascinating and or exciting uh, mm-hmm. is that it does still just seem like there's an ominous dominance coming from Red Bull. Oh, God, yeah. And that they seem, yeah. you know, my the sense that I get is that they're, they're even just sandbagging during testing. and Which is terrifying because yeah. they were at the top of the timesheets from the jump. And yeah. Max, first of all, that car looks incredible. Uh, the, the, what that weird undercut on the side pods is growing on me it grew on me so fast within like the first day i was like oh that looks kind of weird and dumb with like that exposed floor that much and then by the end of the day i was like i love that car that car looks i mean it's 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 on par with the mercedes as far as like aesthetics for me Mm -hmm. so uh and like ferrari too i mean ferrari is like in a different class like ferrari's like fashion week um but like (laughs) it really is it really is gorgeous that car is just beautiful absolutely sensational and then like Um, mercedes and uh red bull are like those like tiktoks where it's like uh you know someone walks up to somebody on a street in new york and it's most deaf and he's rocking like the dopest fit you've ever seen like that's mm-hmm. where like mercedes and red bull are yep. for me i'm like oh I, that's really really dope but she's gorgeous there's yeah it's yep. just a difference uh but yeah there's red bull is saying that they are not quite comfortable they're in like a decent place they don't know what the rest of the field looks like and blah 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 and then like two days into testing Someone got a quote from Max, and he was like, yeah, the car feels significantly better than last year. And Mm -hmm. my God, is that a scary statement to hear from Max Verstappen in testing? Yep. I mean, he never says that kind of stuff. He never says that kind of stuff. First, that's just not a thing that he does. He doesn't doesn't go like, oh, yeah, we're looking really good this year. Like, he's always like, well, we'll see. We'll see. Even though – He's incredible and like he's one of the best drivers on the grid. And that's what that's what you see from the best drivers, right? You see from like uh, uh, Lewis, you see from a Leclerc, you see from a Fernando Alonso. They're always mm-hmm. like, well, we'll see. You know, there's some initial data that uh, we're getting back and processing. And especially during testing, we don't know what other teams are doing. And that was kind of the company line that Christian Horner towed. But then with that like little snippet from Max, I think it was during like the press conference. 
like it was him and Leclerc were kind of like talking a little bit about where their cars were. And so it was like, so where, where do you guys think, uh, where do you see the Red Bull? Where do you rate that? And Max was like, well, it feels better than it did last year. And was like, what? Oh, what? What did he, what did he just say? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Uh, yeah. So that's, I still, I still come back to, and we discussed this, I think about a year ago, just mm-hmm. the notion that Max had signed this, I forget what it even is now, but it was like a six or seven year yeah. contract extension. 2028. Yeah. It's through the yeah, end of 2028. Through 2028. Like that long of a commitment to a team when you yourself are clearly at the top of your game. Yeah. That is a immense vote of confidence for what that team is going to be doing perpetually into the middle future like that's wild that's crazy to me and absolutely terrifying so yeah uh who's who do you think has the best chance at getting in red bull's way based on what we saw at testing so i think based on what we saw at testing it looks like it's going to be ferrari probably Mm -hmm. but maybe aston martin aston martin might give at least checo uh, he may have to deal with a very competitive Fernando Alonso. And yeah. I, I'm very excited to see those two sharing the same spot on the track because that has not happened yet. Like mm-hmm. they have never been in cars that are competitive with each other. Uh, that's just not when, when Fernando was, uh, what, what was he in last? The McLaren before this? Uh, he was, he was at, he was back at Renault. Yeah, he was McLaren and then Renault, but Renault was well, like, well, well, the Renault Alpine. Um, the and yeah, I mean, it's it was, it was not it was not good, and Sergio was in like the pink Mercedes, so he was competing at a different level. So it was just not. They were never on the track. They were never starting at the same time yeah. from the same position and fighting for the same lap times. So I'm excited to see those two uh, duke yep. it out. But I think Ferrari probably has the best, uh, the best chance of 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 any of the teams at at unseating Red Bull uh, consistently. I think they'll yep. do it every once in a while. But I think this year, rumor has it Ferrari has their engine turned, the revs are turned down, and there may be four tenths of a second uh, at like peak tire performance. Uh, I think it's just four tenths or maybe it's like six tenths at peak tire performance and like four tenths overall. So there is a chance that Ferrari will really be competitive with Red Bull because if you look at the timings, that's about where they were behind the Red Bull consistently anywhere from six tenths to like maybe a second. Uh, Right. But that's that's enough to be competitive and that's enough to make that first uh, first row on the grid and to trouble people going into that first corner, whoever is on yep. the, that starting grid spot, number one. So I think it's going to be Ferrari, maybe Mercedes. Mercedes looked interesting in testing. Now, I'm, mm-hmm. I, this is the most... I mean, I got excited. There were a few moments where Lewis got some purple sectors sprinkled yeah. throughout. You know, that was yeah. pretty exciting to me. I think uh, I'm you know, tempering all my expectations, uh, just trying to keep myself emotionally protected. But. Exactly. Yeah. That's where I'm at too, Johnny. I, I'm like, Oh, well, I mean, they look pretty good, but I don't know. Uh, and Lewis does look like he's back into the mode of like giving really good feedback. Uh, before he set that purple sector, he was getting like a little bit squirrely, uh, with like the rear end of the Mercedes, so during testing, let's just get like hyper specific and granular here with the Mercedes. The Mercedes is not porpoising anymore, uh, or the porpoising mm-hmm. is not really an issue. You can see it doing some track striking at the end of the straightaways, but that's all the cars do that. They've all yep. done that uh, for well over a decade. If you go back and watch footage, every car kind of scrapes at the end of straights because the aerodynamic load is such that it pushes yep. the car into the track. That's normal, but it doesn't have that oscillation back and forth like the Alpine actually does <laughs> now. Uh, yeah. But they they do have better straight line speed. The idea that is that the car is not as draggy, uh, so they have a better idea of how quick it will be in a straight line. Uh, 
the problem that they are having or that they were having was some mid corner understeer. So when like they're diving as deep into the corner as possible, the most G force, the most loads uh, are trying to push the car sideways, but the mechanical loads and engineering and aerodynamics have kept the car planted. There's a little bit of understeer there. So they were trying to like figure that out. And then that was causing uh, a snap of oversteer once they tried to leave the uh, the corner. So mm-hmm. you get in the corner, you get a little, your car doesn't really do what you want it to do. And then there's a slight bit of overcorrection because of the way the car is underperforming. And then the car underperforms in a different way on the exit of corners. And that was what we saw right before Lewis set those purple sectors and went to the top of the timesheets. Then he went in had an immediate fix, like watched him like pull his visor up, take his gloves off and like start looking up to talk to mechanics before they even mm-hmm. push the car back into the garage. And I was like, oh, this dude knows what needs to happen. And then the next time yep. he came out, it was like, all right, Mercedes looks pretty dialed. Uh, but there's a chance that there's going to be a different side pod that is brought to the Azerbaijani Grand Prix. So, so yeah, I mean, we're already hearing murmurs about upgrades coming in yeah uh, for for that as well as even for uh aston martin showing up to the first race mm-hmm. with, with some, some serious upgrades so yeah. uh yeah, like literally I mean, a week away <laughs> yeah I, and and this is you know based on no science but just more like a theory of you know the trajectory of how these things evolve over the course of the season I'm going to put mm. some big chips on Ferrari yeah. continuing to improve their position wherever they start the season. I do not think is where they will finish the season. I think yeah. I'm, I'm really confident in Fred Vasseur and just mm. in the team's sort of like renewed and refreshed appetite to grab a hold of the opportunity that was very close for them last season, but still is something that feels like they haven't had within reach yeah, for like the last 15 sh- years. It's like the, uh, like, like Red Bull is like the bully who's like holding up, uh, like, uh, the holding up Ferrari's lunch just out of reach and like Ferrari, mm-hmm. like the fingertips like every once in a while grab the end of the bag, but like can't get purchase. But I think that Ferrari will, have a little to continue this metaphor. We'll have a growth spurt, and uh, <laughs> we'll be able to snatch that lunch back and be able to yep. eat their own lunch instead of having Red Bull eat their lunch every day. Uh, I think there's a good chance that Ferrari will will be. I think Ferrari. That's why I was saying Ferrari has the best chance of unseating them, is because they do have the most deliberate development path. Also, they rotated out their chief strategist back to the factory yep. and promoted from within. So I don't know what this new guy's deal is. If he's the one who was like working against everyone else in the pits mm-hmm. when people were like, oh, we should do this strategy. And he's like, guys, no, like maybe he's the one that they promoted. Problem is, is maybe he's the one that was like maybe causing the strategy problems. That's the idea with like promoting from within. It could just be. A I mean, to, to me, a, a lot of this stuff just stems from just bad just poor management poor like level of commitment to certain strategies to you know strength of ideas and communication and and Mm. whatnot and i'm hoping that because we've got some top-down changes we'll see some some improvements but yeah we won't really know anything until i mean our our best bit of information that we will see will be saturday coming up we'll have practice which could be the same brand of sandbagging and whatnot but yeah once we make it through qualifying i think we'll have a much clearer sense of of what at least the first chapter of the season is going to be like so excited um so stoked so let's let's rip through the other uh couple of cars here we've got uh we kind of touched on the alpine the alpine is porpoising which is just to me, I was like, oh, my God, does this mean that Mercedes was that far ahead of the development where they were porpoising last year and now Alpine, <laughs> like, caught up? Or they is just this caught like, up to, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what I want to believe, but uh, it's probably just a different set of issues that they're dealing with. Uh, the Alpine looks pretty racy. Everyone is saying that they are looking really good. Uh, mm-hmm. I 
don't, I didn't really see it in testing, but uh, there's hype behind the team from within the team. Uh, and it looks like Ocon and Gasly uh, are giving the same feedback to Alpine. So that's another good thing. It was another good thing with Red Bull is Christian was like, we're getting the same feedback from Max and Checo. Uh, mm-hmm. Same with Mercedes. George and Lewis were saying same issues with the car. So this is good for everyone when both drivers are going, yeah, we're both experiencing the same thing. Let's try and dial it out together instead of I'm going to figure out how to fix my car. And then my teammate can like mm-hmm. go f- himself for a little while <laughs> until yep. he figures it out. Uh, so there's that. Uh, but I think Alpine is looking pretty racy. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I was really impressed with the Haas. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we we were making our little jokes about Chipotle and MoneyGram, but they had the most wind tunnel time last year. Uh, they showed up with that little winglet, uh, that little downturned winglet to testing, mm-hmm. just like Mercedes has uh, a different version. Um, but if Haas has the same kind of like little wing on the inside of the front wing that Mercedes and Red Bull figured out, then I think that Haas is in a pretty good spot as far as like. Yeah where they're headed with their car so and it looked really good magnuson uh was putting up really good numbers hulkenberg was putting up really good numbers especially for just having stepped back into a car for real this time so and it's you know it's with a new team he's not driving for aston martin anymore i'm sure he wishes he was but it's it looks pretty good um the alpha random aside on Uh on haas uh I was delighted that there was this little thing going viral around their pit wall station is Mm. rather than it being the like six to eight seats, seat banks of workstation terminals Mm -hmm. at the pit wall. It is just a tiny little booth with three seats at it. Yeah. And, you know, probably the first time that someone, you know, sneered or made fun of them for, showing up with this much less significant presence on the pit wall. Gunther Steiner immediately wrapped back with like, well, even just not shipping a, you know, a giant thing around is saving us $250,000. And with our cost cap that none of us are allowed to breach, our $250,000 savings is going into the car. Exactly. yeah, and that's like the most like Gunthery sort of move, but I I love that. I, I think anybody can admire that sort of thing, and I I I would love to yeah. think that the cost cap era will stay on a trajectory that gets us closer and closer to these kinds of things. Like I literally want to see like you know the the drivers eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches mm-hmm. and uh, everybody just trying to figure out the cleverest ways to uh, to put all that money into just yeah. directly into the car itself. Oh, uh, speaking of putting money uh, and, and in creative ways and getting mm-hmm. time out of the car, back to Mercedes real quick. Uh, it is barely painted. There's mostly carbon fiber yeah. on it. Did you... I found out how much a paint job weighs on an F1 car, John. What is it? Six kilograms. So almost <laughs> like six kilograms of paint end up on an that's F1 That's like car. an entire Chipotle catering station right yeah. there. Yeah, it's like that's, 13 that's, I mean, pounds or something. It's like yeah. wild how yeah. much if, paint. That, uh. that, I mean, that's solid savings. Like that is, yeah. th- these guys would, you know, would do anything to get those kinds of weight savings. So, I mean, to me, that means that, like, yeah, we're going to have, like... Yeah. Oh, the, it's, the, it's a direct the, translation, too. The, engi- the the guy who was talking about it was like, oh, yeah, one if you can save one kilogram of weight, it is worth 0. .02. It's point, uh, I guess it's two hundredths of a second that you gain when you lose one kilogram. So they lost six kilograms. So that means that they have maybe upped their chances at being more competitive. So yeah, what, what were you saying, John? I just wanted to. Get, well, I was, get I was just. I'm. I mean, to me, that that just means we're going to see a field full of black cars. Yeah, or, or eventually uh, raw carbon fiber cars. Like if that's the if that's yeah. all you have to do to gain those weight savings, um, 
Yeah. That's it's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it, yeah, why it, it would may you... not sound like a lot, but that's pretty that's pretty significant. Um, and you know, I almost wonder if there's a world where like the sport comes in and is like, no, actually we're gonna require everyone to put at least, you know, yeah, uh, fifteen pounds of paint onto their exactly. car or or whatnot also, just to keep it from being a totally monochromatic grid. There was a moment where Sam uh Sam Collins was talking about the fact that you can do at like there are like color versions of carbon fiber weave. Yeah. But you would have to put so much lacquer on it to make it actually show up in the lights that it's right. like, well, just paint the car then. Like your base, it's like, yeah. yeah. What's the what's the point? So I mean, there will be yeah, there will be like black. There will be black with like almost like Kevlar bronzy highlights or or whatnot. Yeah. But like it, everything's just gonna look black, and I feel yeah. like that's you know, yeah, it's gonna be uh, Formula One brought to you by the Dark Knight. Yep. Um, yep. Uh, so the last two, we'll go with the alphas. Finish, finish this up here, Corey. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got the solution. Oh, it's all the cars. It's all black cars, but they're all required to have separate colored underglow on them. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, Johnny, I don't think this is. I mean, maybe it's basically let's just turn we'll it see. into Tron. You know, yeah. let's just turn the sport into Tron. Let's I love how it. we're joking about this, and like, we'll in like five years' time, we're gonna be like. Yeah. Wow, so these underglow packages are pretty cool. <laughs> um, yep. Oh God! Um, so yeah, the Alpha uh, Alpha Tauri, Alpha Romeo. Nothing much to report here. Alpha Romeo had some engine issues, which was like the first like peak at like, oh, is, are the Ferrari motors uh, their problems? There might be. Uh, the Alpha Tauri is not looking good. It's not looking fast, unfortunately. Uh, Yuki's looking much more comfortable in it, but Nick DeVries uh, is. Uh, the numbers he was putting up were unimpressive, much like Yuki's numbers were unimpressive. Uh, so I think that they're on par with each other. Nick DeVries being like the oldest rookie to ever show up uh, in yeah. modern F1. He's like 26. He's not that yeah. old. Uh, but like, yeah, I think the alphas are in not great shape, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, that kind of rounds out the the testing. I know we're going to try and keep it tight, but testing is a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah let's... Uh, Let's pivot here, Johnny. Can we? Can we? Uh, can you take me on a little tour of uh, your trash corner? Is there? Yes. Is there anything so in your trash over, corner? Over, over here, hoarded up in Johnny's trash corner, <laughs> are all my notes on the latest season of Drive to Survive. Uh, yeah. Which, yeah. Uh, d- despite being the you know this very superfluous and overproduced product, I do think is you know it's obviously important to the sport in terms of yeah. what it's done for fandom. Uh, but I also I have, I have tremendous appreciation for ways that, uh, for better or worse, the documentarians that put this series together find ways to introduce drama and excitement and and whatnot into yep. the course of the season. And so I I was able to just barely make it through every episode of the new season of <laughs> Drive to Survive. <laughs> Thank you for your um, sacrifice. I appreciate that. It's uh I there may be some episodes or some plot lines that I was drifting in and out of, yeah. you know, weekend nap mode yeah. during and and whatnot. But for the most part, uh I I thought it was a great season. I thought it was I thought it was really good. There's obviously some Things that were left out. There's some stuff that, uh, you know, could have been more authentic to what was unfolding and, and yeah. some some pretty big omissions um, that were felt. But in general, I thought it was, you know, an entertaining entertainment product, which yeah. is, you know, what it is at the end of the day. So uh, what, what were just to, because I, I don't, I mean, obviously, like, there are no spoilers here. Who cares? It's 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 on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, this is full, full, we'll go full on spoilers if yeah. you haven't watched the the new season. But of also, Drive it's Survive, like, you know. uh, it's a documentary about yes. last year. If you, I mean, if you're, if you feel like you're getting spoiled, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but, like, if I... As a huge fan who has not watched, I only watched the first episode. If I'm willing to have this spoiled, I think anyone who's listening to this podcast can also afford to have it spoiled. So, Johnny, mm-hmm. what was something that didn't show up in the documentary uh, in this past season that you were like, oh, wow, it's weird that they omitted that or it's weird that they just didn't think that that was worth covering? So they didn't touch on at all 
uh, Brazil as a whole, which was, you know, the most, like, uh, possibly the most exciting race that we've seen in years. Oh. Um, but, but at the same time, I think, again, Drive to Survive is not about the on-track excitement and action. Yeah. It is meant to be about all the behind-the-scenes scuttle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that it still felt like an omission. And I will say, I actually thought Drive to Survive's depiction of the on-track action seemed improved over past seasons. I felt that they did a really good job of good. intertwining the off-track drama into the on-track action and building that in ways that like it, it felt like I, I could be wrong about this but it did feel like more there was a slightly larger percentage of each episode dedicated to on-track action than oh in, good in oh seasons. it might it might so, even just be a tiny little bump up but. so do you think that like netflix and f1 are like okay we'll like you know, cast our lines into the reality TV pond and then like we'll just kinda catch and then release the fish into the like real world of uh <laughs> of F one and we'll just drop them into like, yeah, now it's a Grand Prix weekend. You know all the backstory. Now watch the racing. Uh, is that do you think that that's what like you think I that mean, that's I feel like the angle I feel is like or? it's inevitable I feel like it's inevitable that they get some sort of entertainment product that is mm. produced in real time that we start seeing between race weekends as a wow. way of like recapping the previous week and leading us into the next week. Cause to me, that would be, that would make the actual like watching live of the race significantly more compelling if it had. Oh, John, a, I just a, had, you know, oh. A horrible, horrible thought popped into my mind, John. I am going to... I have a few connections with people who are in reality television. I am going to reach out to them and be like, Hey, you know how, like, uh, after, like, all the Real Housewives stuff or, like, Drag Race, they have Andy Cohen do, like, an unpacking of right, the episode? Right, right, right. How about I be your Andy Cohen and I'll unpack the weekend. I'm happy to fly around the globe and just get all the dirt and be that person. God, I don't want to pitch this idea and I'm going to pitch it. I think it's perfect, Corey. Yeah. It's, uh, I think it's I think it's wonderful. I I would love to uh, Oh god. <laughs> oh. I mean I I feel like it's yeah. just sort of like it's it's almost it's... a little weird to me that Drive to Survive is on a, you know, 6 to 12 month delay of yeah. the events that it's following when I I think of, you know, slick production techniques and like you could be watching the Super Bowl and in the middle of the game they can make dramatic recaps of the things that have just yep. unfolded like you know obviously uh drive to survive is a uh a incredibly well-produced package it takes a large team of very very talented people an enormous amount of energy to put that together but i feel like we'll, we'll see we'll see that sort of like impatience have its mark on it the pitch is going to be called after the drive there you go damn it damn it i hate Okay, I might cut this out of the episode because I'm like, oh, do I just share this pitch? But no one, no one listens to this. And if you steal my idea, go for it. It'll be like, oh, I was on the right path. Uh, <laughs> God, yeah, that does kind of make sense. The trashiness needs to be in real time versus yeah. like on that l huge. Seems, I mean, it seems like there's enough there to pull from. Um, yeah. Now. Now, in this season of Drive to Survive, mm -hmm. I mean, there is it's it also is still at the same time, like, like really, really slick and really overproduced. And like, I love even like they go in and add sound design to everything yeah. after the fact. So like even when you see that that camera that is embedded in the track and they use this on like almost every episode at some point, they cut to that camera that's within the track and the car is driving over the camera and they yeah. created this amazing like Dolby surround suction thwomp sound every time the tires would hit the camera. And I was just like, oh, it's so cool. That's yeah. so wonderful. But then when we see... Uh, Zhou Guan Yu's car flipping into oh, the yeah. fence and like hearing like, 
you know the it's like it playing in hyper slow motion but like when it hits the the fence it's like just like bad foley of someone shaking like a schoolyard <laughs> fence and like you know rattling it whatnot i was just like ah, well uh, that, all right that, all right that starts to sort of <laughs> undercut the tremendous power and impact of that particular moment that's incredible Um, and like you know there's all these other things you know they they do like a cute road trip with mataya and gunther uh in that first episode these let's put these two guys into a tiny little fiat and have them drive to some italian vineyards and and whatnot and it's just sort of like all right that's a little it's a little stage they get like heroic looking footage of of gunther on a jet ski at some point somehow. oh okay uh, which uh to me that's his that that means that he's close to the end of his ascendance in in as a as a as a bizarre unexpected star in the world of uh, yeah Formula one um just like see. giant giant toothy grin of gunther uh with uh weird reflector sunglasses on a jet yeah, ski yeah yeah basically yeah, yeah. um oh, wow i wow. did think they did an episode centering around uh sergio and just like how torturous it is yeah. to be in the second seat at well, red bull and and they really amped up the like Christian's a total bastard. Yeah. Uh, even even his wife like seems to almost like pick on Sergio a little bit or like speaks to him with this sort of like, you know, uh who Jerry sense does of like yeah, like just oh, just no. in the you know, I mean I, I might be reading a little more into it, but like it, it really just sort of seemed like, you know, she was just like very comfortable being like, Oh, Sergio, you're on our yacht, and I hope you, you know. I hope you have a wonderful race weekend because you know what happens if you don't, you know. Yeah, and and, and whatnot. Just like it, it just, uh, it, but I, I thought that was uh, a well put together episode, and actually there, uh, it the the climax of the episode is Sergio at Monaco, and I thought that particular Great. sequence was like the best produced of all their like on track stuff that I've seen. In oh, terms of you know okay. laying the groundwork with the emotional stakes and then letting it play out over the course of the race, and I mean you know obviously also a genuinely deeply fascinating story there. Yeah, for for Sergio. So wait, you um, said you said that they didn't go into Brazil in the uh, in the series. How do they deal with that with Sergio's like? arch getting getting Uh, scumbagged yeah yeah because that's like that they don't touch on it at all which is insane because they have this whole in the middle of the season they have this whole episode what perfectly could have you know was laying the groundwork for that even and so they make no reference whatsoever to oh that's gross that means that f1 stepped in and said you can't show this you can't show what really went on because uh, we all know the drive to survive cameras were following all of them around, especially that yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah. And especially after that race, there's no way yep. that the Netflix people weren't like, we are going to film the debriefing. Like we are going to film, even if we can't get audio, we should at least be able to get video of and Sergio was, react. Oh, that sucks. There that they was didn't a put lot of there. other tense moments that they do capture on camera over the course of the season that we have not seen before. They have yeah, a yeah. whole thing around early in the season, Toto having a meltdown and there being a team principal only meeting where Toto completely freaking implodes and is like telling everyone else that like, you know, the, uh, you guys are gonna, you know, kill all your drivers because of the way yeah. all our cars are porpoising. And like everyone else is like elbowing each other and being like, Toto, <laughs> like our cars aren't purpose. Yeah, no, like, no. Your car is porpoising. Yeah. Like, it's a, this is a you your... problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was that was remarkable, if only because it was just like watching Toto like just have a temper tantrum hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, there. I was think they do a another... good job of that. By the way, you'd mentioned that they're kind yeah. of painting Christian Horner as a villain. They're, you know, yeah, it yeah. seems like they're painting Toto as a big baby. They're painting Matea and Gunther as like uh, buddies on a road trip. Like they're doing a good job of yeah. 
kind of like diminishing the stature of these team principles so that we're you don't look at them as like well oh you're yeah, a billionaire that, so, so, <laughs> so this is yeah. this is the thing right because the team principles have come out of darkness mm-hmm. to be to have this spotlight on them and so so uh, weird Zach brown seems like a mega manipulative scummer and even is like i would even say going so far uh, i i might be overstating it a bit but i thought yeah. so they play out the whole uh thing with the um with the danny Piastri rick and Piastri, yeah and and whatnot and so they set it up where there's a scene where um zach brown and mm. otmar uh, the the Alpine uh, uh, team principal, they have a sit down to discuss it. And it's like in Zach Brown's office and the door is opened and the camera is positioned so that you can see Zach Brown. Yep. But you can't see Otmar. Yep. Yep. And you can hear Zach Brown as though he's wearing a mic and you can hear Otmar as though he was not mic'd up and was not aware that there was even a microphone in the room, but his voice is like echoing through the room and it's Ooh. them talking through this and like Zach Brown just kind of like, you know, flexing and just being like, oh, well, you know, sounds like you guys got yourselves into some hot water here and sounds like you didn't, you know, quite do My this. And this God. is also like following lots of other clips of, you know, the the McLaren team gloating and, and yeah. over over that situation. So I thought that was, uh, that was kind of, uh, wow. Particularly pointed in how they put that together and also particularly and, and potentially, and they didn't put this on it, but I was reading into it that like Zach Brown was very much like, Oh yeah, let's get these drive to survive cameras on this one, baby. Yeah. This is going to be fun. As someone in who's directly involved with the making of stuff like this, I guarantee you that they did have Otmar mic'd up, but then they were like, hey, just don't put his mic in the feed. It'll make it seem so much more like uh, like those like old exposés you'd see on yeah, like yeah, 2020. Yeah, yeah. Hidden, hidden camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, like yep. deliberately filming Barbara Walters, but not like filming yep. the executive that she's roasting at uh, Philip Morris. Yeah, like that kind of. Yeah, there's, there's all sorts of ways to, yeah. to kind of almost degrade. I mean, you're yeah yeah it's 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 pretty wild kudos um, other... kudos to netflix for doing that and showing them like the evil manipulative people that they are because they get a lot of positive yeah. press whenever the cameras are on them and the commentators are talking oh what's going on toto oh what's going on Otma? and it's like yeah these are businessmen who are constantly undercutting yeah. each other and scumbagging their employees because they're businessmen and that's how yeah. they got there so I like that they're kind of taking them down a peg in Drive to Survive. That feels good. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> I did appreciate that. And even they, you know, they have their uh, Yuki and Pierre uh, breaking up episode. They have like a whole oh. episode about like, you know, Pierre's going to be leaving the team. And Yuki is like on the verge of tears, like Sterling K. Brown for like the entire episode. And yeah. uh, okay. they, they okay. then introduce Nick DeVries, you know, sauntering in. Uh, with you know his like face that looks like it's made entirely out of back muscle yeah just like you know they they start setting him up as you know just just laying the initial groundwork for like this is the new this is the new villain Uh, here to absolutely and like you know will buxton uh his you know his like little little comment is like well you know you have to understand Nick DeVries has one one job joining this team, and that is to destroy Yuki. And uh, oh just, my God, like, yeah! All right, all right. Drive to survive. Don't you ever change. This yeah. Is, uh, this uh, the, is what, we, what we come here in, for. In a reflective moment, there were a bunch of uh, the, Will Buxton also commented on a lot of the testing, and mm-hmm. every single person who was in that comment like commentary booth with him would constantly be like all right will you can turn it down the drive to survive cameras aren't here like it was so funny to watch them just yep. roast him repetedly for being an a huge drama queen and just being well the they person even, i 
I want to oh, say it's even it's in the first or second episode. There's a Will Buxton line that I I assumed he was like intentionally lobbing out there as like a drive to survive inside joke because it was like it was something to the effect of like you know uh, you know everybody is striving to qualify first because that means they will start the race ahead of the other 19 drivers oh my God. you know and okay. <laughs> it's yeah. just like yeah. yes yeah That's... no you can you could do simple math really slowly and dramatically for us thank yeah. you yeah yeah it's that whole the the whole was it the was this the Nikki Lauda thing where it's like in order to finish first you must first finish is that what was that a Nikki Lauda uh, I may have been yeah. Lauda, yeah but it's like that like yeah well it's like a yogi bear thing like yeah. it's like yeah you're just <laughs> you're just stating the obvious and then rephrasing it with slightly different syntax like yeah yeah we know we know in order to finish first out of 20th you should probably start first out of 20th it's probably your best bet. Uh, that's great. What what else from from Drive to Survive, Johnny? Oh, that was pretty much it for me. I mean, there's all sorts of other little little touches and mm-hmm. like you know splashes of. Uh, oh, they do the tiny car thing again with uh, Yuki and Pierre. They're in like a tiny like Japanese K car driving around Tokyo. Okay, uh, that's adorable. Uh, that's adorable. It, oh, yes, oh yeah, I'm very was, excited for that. Cute. Uh, you get more time with uh, Carlos Sainz. Uh, cousin i could have sworn it was his brother because it looks almost identical but he's yeah. like the he's obviously the discount version of carlo carlos signs yeah, uh, yeah who is apparently his uh his manager and yeah he spend a little more uh he's doing the uh i think the reason why we think that it's his brother is because felipe Massa's uh brother used to be like his manager right, 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 and that was yeah that so i think that maybe we're conflating i'm i know i always do i'm like oh yeah they're brothers yeah. oh no maybe that was different john do you remember seeing felipe and his brother when we went to the canadian gp when we were walking around on uh catherine street that night oh my gosh i had completely forgotten about that yeah Yeah. Yeah, it was like right after we saw oh ken block was there too he was doing like yeah yeah, and like we saw his promo thing in a tent yeah yeah and we were like walking away from that and then like walked by these incredibly short people with like bodyguards around them and we're like was that felipe massa and his brother oh wow that's wild that dude's just walking around the streets of montreal on a grand prix weekend uh yeah Oh, what a, he's so, so little. I mean, of course they're little, but he's, it was shockingly small. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, for, for me, you know, uh, enjoyed Drive to Survive. It was solid, uh, yeah. you know, and, and perfect for getting me super hyped up for yeah. what we got coming up. Oh, I'm going to be watching. This is like, I, this is what I will do all week long is just, yep watch this and i was very disciplined i only watched the first episode and then was like Corey, Mm -hmm. you're going back to watching testing i know john is watching drive to survive i can't do this i have too much to do this weekend and by that i mean i need to sit in front of the tv for quite literally 24 plus hours one one last note on Mm -hmm. drive to survive it was more evident than ever uh because there was a moment where I tried popping it on while the kids were hanging around and playing because I thought they might get a kick out of it and whatnot. Yeah. And it, it was never been more evident to me how many times they say fuck in Drive to Survive. Yeah. Like, and it seems to have uh, – and, and, I mean, I'm here for it. I love it. I love yeah. hearing yeah. this very, like, unfiltered. But, like, there's part of me that wishes that, like, somewhere in the Netflix, interf- Netflix interface I could just, like – toggle off f-bombs for you know an episode yep. so that uh my kids could get hyped up about it because my kids are, are pretty pretty little and not quite ready for gunther steiner levels of uh, just uh, you know, constant I, I, if, yeah if, if that happened i would fuck everyone in the pit lane you know? i know and, what and a whatnot. wild statement uh, i saw yeah, that quote yeah. and i was like oh for two points you would fuck everyone in the pit lane that is yeah an aggressive thing to say to anyone, let alone drive to survive. Like, whoa, I mean, whoa, listen, whoa. I'm generally a pretty casual and lewd person myself, yes. and I, I don't, you know, uh, I, I, I do appreciate some playful cursing and, yeah, and yeah. whatnot. But, but yeah, it is like 
like literally everything. Like every, every time yeah. there's radio feeds, anytime there's people discussing anything, like anytime something even remotely negative happens, which happens constantly throughout yeah. the series because that's their source of drama. Like yeah. almost always the one word response is just Fuck, with a period on it. You know, yep. like you yep. can see in the in the in the on screen subtitles, it's just and like I feel like the the season would have been a half hour shorter if they had just removed every <laughs> instance of the word. You think they're like stretching out? Like, oh, we need these episodes to be a little longer. Yeah. Let's drop more f bombs. Let's just just drop in more f bombs. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, I'm very excited to watch this series uh, coming up this week, and then also we are technically Johnny. We are. In race, it's race week. week, it's race week. We're That's in it. race week right now. It's happening in yep. four days from now. We are going to have cars back on that track in a competitive mode, uh, yep. sandbagging and doing all this weird cloak and dagger nonsense uh, yep. that we're used to every weekend. And I, I'm so here for it. Uh, I'm so pumped for the drive to survive uh, stuff to kind of bubble over into like more commentary stuff. Cause I yep. just love when they roast Will Buxton. I think Will Buxton could stand to get roasted even like 80% more than he does now. Um, yes. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah, all just, for yeah, roast, yeah. extra roasting yeah. of, of Will Buxton. Get him. I don't get want his so feelings good. to get too hurt, but uh, I, I want him, I want him to get a good roasting. Uh, yeah. Corey, yeah. that means next, next weekend will be, the official beginning of the second season of the F1 files. It's true. Yeah. We look, are look at us. We did it. We did it. We're we're in we've we've taken our offline communications and nerd them and geeked them and now brought them to as many people uh, as want as they want to listen. If you want to listen to us nerd out about it, uh, here it is. This is <laughs> this is what our communication looks like. And then we like dial it down when we're around our other friends and try not yes, to yeah, yeah. talk about it as much, but it still ends up bleeding into this. Ah, well, I'm hey, so one pumped. one one season of the F1 files in the can. Cheers, cheers, yeah. buddy. Cheers. It's been uh, you know been an, been an absolute joy. Cheers, uh, cheers, my love, my uh, espresso to the. I love dink. I love I love using <laughs> this uh, this medium as a mechanism just to you know talk talk shop with you about yeah. all this stuff and uh and whatnot and any any of our listeners out there i can't recommend enough uh starting a podcast with your childhood best friend yeah to cover whatever shenanigans it whatever is you care about into. yeah it's you know, yeah so perfect uh yeah i i like worked it out with uh, i was talking to my parents and was like oh yeah yeah it costs me like 50 cents a day in hosting fees to have like wonderful weekly catch-ups with my best friend in the whole world. And it's really, really cool that it, uh, like that's, I know it's terrible that I've like boiled it down to like what it costs, but like, <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, that's actually really cheap and reasonable. This is perfect. This is perfect. Uh, so Johnny, the question is, did the stock go up in the U S did it happen? Did F1, moonshot yeah, it's like a yeah it is it is absolute moonshot mode it yeah. is skyrocketing as we head into you know to me that that most exciting sort of moment which is that anticipation that build up to our very very first race weekend and, yeah and you know celebrating that in all the different ways that we've been describing for the last hour or so yeah Corey, what do you oh. what do you think i think the stock is through the roof i think it needs to like create its own uh classification within the stock market uh <laughs> it had never, never been done before um yeah. this is like the uh the new york stock exchange uh when uh like competing with the dow uh it's like oh no we just need a new market we just need a new market yep uh, i think it's huge and i'm very excited to see where it goes and i know that with the first race, the stock is only going to go up because we'll get people who have not ever watched this sport, who have now watched a couple of seasons of Drive to Survive, will then watch this. And the idea that there's like a competitive American team within the field, like that's only going to yeah. send it higher. Because uh, I think Haas is going to be competitive this this year. Um, yeah. Oh, I love it. So where can the folks find you out there in the world? Uh, anybody looking to get in touch with me, you can start at johnnymotion.com. That's uh, my my home base on the internet. Corey, where can the folks find you? 
Uh, you can track me down at Burn Corey Burn. I am on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok under that moniker. Uh, you can also track us down on the F1 files through that name on all the social media platforms. Uh, and then I'm also going to be doing another show at the UCB this Wednesday. Uh, UCB mm. LA. Uh, come out and see me and my international team. Uh, and by that, I mean, we've traveled internationally and performed internationally. It is the team Murder Murder. We do uh, improvised murder mysteries uh, that completely go off the rails and devolve into absurdity, as you might imagine. Uh, we'll be at the UCB at 8 o'clock this Wednesday. So, yeah, come check us out. Nice. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, folks. You will certainly catch up with us. And we can't help but catch up with you next time on These Are Most Precious F1 Files. Oh.